I'm feeling right now is I don't really want to do no announcements. Can y'all live without announcements once? Besides, you get them on your email and Facebook, and before long you'll be getting them on your instant messaging. That's the next wave. So we're going to go ahead and get this word, I think, is important right now. Uh, Jim Hill is going to speak to us, and I think you're going to be blessed that we just went right into the to the word of the Lord. Amen. Um, I want to make something very clear. I love Holy Ghost. I love him. I like the way he does stuff. He just mystifies me. He mystifies me. How wonderful and present he is. I, I, I can't give you all the background to this. But uh, I went to bed last night at midnight. I've always been a bit jealous of Byron. That uh, he gets to prepare messages sometimes month, months in advance and has notes that are sort of progressing down the chain of readiness for him to preach. And I often do not know what I'm going to say until I get there. And I've complained to the Lord about it. Last night I went to bed at midnight and was anxious. After 40-some years of doing this, I was still anxious last night because I had no earthly idea what I was supposed to say this morning. I've got lots of stuff in my heart, and I've got lots of things I could pull out and say, but I didn't know what I was supposed to say. There's a difference. And I woke up this morning at 6 a.m., and the Lord began to speak to me. And He began to speak to me the words of this song that He had given Sally for this meeting this week. And so I'm kind of discombobulated a little bit here because I love Holy Spirit. Gosh, He's wonderful. He really is wonderful. I'm just trembling because I think maybe this really might be the Lord. Those people who tell you they're always sure about that, I can't even read. Even with my glasses on, I got old men get more and more sentimental as they go along. I can cry in a Hallmark card commercial these days. I used to think I was tough. I want to establish a baseline. The baseline here for what we're going to talk about comes from the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Lord, I ask you by the power and majesty of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and spirits and in the depths of our inner being this morning, Lord God. 
impart something to us this morning, Lord God. Impart it to us by Your divine mercy, Lord God. Have Your way with us, Holy Spirit. I don't know, maybe I can read it better up there. I get, yeah, that, all of a sudden I can see again. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When you hear a prophetic word with anointing on it, it is God. It's not just what God's saying. It is God. It is God. There is power in His Word. There is a divine uh, power to His Word when it truly is Him. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. You are our light. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. I've been following the Lord for 40-something years, and I think I'm just barely starting to catch on. Every once in a while, I feel like I comprehend how wonderful He is. That he could cause you to get on a plane and be salvation to a friend. He's real. Holy Spirit is real and He dwells in His temple. You are the temple of the living God. He lives in you. He moves. He has His being in you. Oh, can't see again. We'll get there. Be patient. Weak vessel. There was a man and a woman sent from God whose name was you. I'm going to read that one more time. I want you to open your spirits to own it. Come to the counter and buy the truth. And do not sell it. This is truth. There was a man and a woman sent from God whose name was you. This man and woman came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. 
Romans 11.36 says, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. There is a cycle of glory in the earth. Just as the rain falls from heaven and waters the earth and causes things to live and to grow, that rain that falls from heaven comes down. But it, at the heat of the sun, evaporates back up and returns to heaven. This is the water cycle. This is what all of creation is based upon. Without that cycle of rain and evaporation and condensation, there is no life on the planet. There is no life in the kingdom of God unless the rain of heaven, R-E-I-N, unless the rain of heaven comes down and floods our souls. And what happens when our souls connect with that glory that comes down from above. It causes us to want to give glory back unto Him. And that glory that He pours into us evaporates back up towards heaven. And it waters heaven because He enjoys the flow of glory. He enjoys raining glory down on His people. And He enjoys receiving glory back from His people. It is the cycle of life in the kingdom. It is the manifestation of the presence of God in the midst of His temple. And you are the temple of the living God. This is what the Lord spoke to me this morning at 6 a.m. A wave of glory is coming. The tide is rising. Prepare yourself to go with the flow. Cut the attachments to the things of the natural realm that will not rise with the tide of His manifest presence. There are things that will tie you to your moorings that you don't want to be tied to. When the tide rises, your boat will sink if it's tied to something. Your boat's got to float. God's here to get you ready to let your boat float. A few weeks back, I was at a seaside seafood restaurant down in Wilmington. And And I went to this restaurant... Because I heard it was Byron's favorite place to eat seafood in uh, Wilmington. And so it was pretty sorry. (laughs) It was pretty greasy. All they had was just fried seafood. You couldn't get any of that fancy stuffed and broiled and marinated stuff. It was just plain old fried seafood. But I was sitting there by the docks and it was lovely and I was with my cute little bride and we were sitting there and I began to notice that the tide was approaching high tide and just and we were sitting right I mean right at the docks you know we were sitting outside and I could spit and hit the intercoastal waterway and uh, and 
is it, there was a marina over to the right, and uh, the docks where the boats were tied were sort of anchored to these pylons that had been driven down into the muck at the bottom. And all of the docks had these large metal rings that were attached to the docks. And they surrounded the pylons so that as the tide rose and went out, the docks would actually float up on these things. But it was nearing high tide. And I was, uh, I was fascinated by the fact that there was only about three foot more, three feet more, I don't want to talk like I'm from Rockingham, <laughs> three feet more of the pylons left at high tide. In other words, they had not planned for a storm surge. If a storm comes at high tide, those things are going to go up and off of their moorings. But they won't sink. I don't know what's better, to go up and off of your moorings or to be tied to something that won't float. Hear the word of the Lord. Well, I come back here to church the next weekend, and the Lord begins me to speak. He begins to speak to me, to lay the foundations for what I believe He's trying to say to us this morning. And I, I told Byron about this a few weeks back. I said, I get the sense in this congregation that the tide is rising. The tide is rising. Be careful. Be careful that you're not tied to something that will hold you down. If you're in the dirt, get out of the dirt. If you're in sin, get out of it. Now, hurry. I'm telling you, it is important that you lay aside the sin that so easily besets you. Now is the time to get out of what's tying you down. Because the tide is rising. You won't go with the tide if you're tied down. That was kind of poetic, wasn't it, Rachel? That happened accidentally. A wave of glory is coming. This morning, the Holy Spirit called to my memory two experiences, one in the natural and one in the semi-natural that I've had with waves that I felt like I was supposed to tell you about this morning. You know what the semi-natural is? It's kind of like when the supernatural gets tied to the natural. It's not wholly supernatural, and it's not wholly natural. It's what I call semi-natural. You know, I'd like to live in the semi-natural all the time. I don't think a man can stand too much of the supernatural. 
When I was young, one of the problems with youth is, is you believe you're nigh indestructible when you're young. And being raised in a small town in western North Carolina, and some would have called me a pure redneck or a hillbilly. And, but today, we're, we're drawing a line. We don't want to be called hillbillies or rednecks anymore. We're called Appalachian Americans from now on. <laughs> I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> but I was uh, stationed in San Diego, uh, California, uh, doing my basic training out there in the Navy uh, back in 1967. And uh, I, I used to love to go uh, surfing and body surfing and one thing and another. And, and so there was a cyclone. Do you know the difference between a cyclone and a hurricane? just where it's at. So there was a cyclone coming in down from Alaska, and around November or December, a lot of times we'll get these storms that'll come down the west coast in California from Alaska, and it was pumping up waves. And so I went out to La Jolla Beach, and uh, there were waves that, you know, were taller than the ceiling coming in. And being the redneck turkey boy that I was, I, I figured... What's a little more water? <laughs> Let's give it a try. So I swam out there and turned around and was going to body surf back through it. And you know how they curl? How those big waves, they'll curl. Okay, and I fell through the curl. <laughs> and then the wave collapsed on top of me. And I was convinced for a moment that I was one dead little country boy. It ground me around and twisted my back, and I heard my own back crack, I think, because I was in the midst of turbulence like I had never experienced before in my natural life. And by the mercy and grace of the ocean and God himself, it spit me out on the shore instead of dragging me back out to the reef. Because there's some pretty, pretty bad reefs in La Jolla Beach. I don't know if anybody knows La Jolla Beach. But... On that day, I knew that God had spared my life because my own stupidity had put me in a position that I should never have been in. You know, what causes the turbulence in a wave is when there is momentum coming at the shore. When there's momentum and the wave is mounting, it's undercut by the last wave that is receding. The proceeding wave or the preceding wave is opposed by the receding wave. And in the history of the church, this has been true with every move of God throughout history. The last wave that breaks upon the shore is opposed by the one that's leaving. So what I'm telling you this morning is don't expect the next wave of the Holy Ghost to look like the one that you're accustomed to. Now you think that you're up to date. You think that you've been to Toronto and all these other places, but I'm telling you, that's an old wave. That's not what the Lord's going to do now. 
the Lord's going to do something so divinely creative that we will have to strain ourselves. We will have to really buy into something we've never seen before to go with what He's going to do now. You've got to get out unlocked above the moorings that have you stationary and tied to where you're at. Because if you don't float, you're going to go down. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. You know, we think we're a pretty radical bunch. But I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost far exceeds our capacity to imagine or even think. But I'm saying, come on. Come on. Surf's up. Surf's up. And I don't care what the curls look like. I want to go with God and what He wants to do. How many know that God is not a French poodle you can train to jump through your hoop? He's the big dog. There ain't nobody else in the kennel. He's the only God. He's the only wise God. He is full of power and omnipotence. I've always wanted to be a calm preacher, but I never seem to manage it. That was my natural experience with a wave. I now want to tell you my testimony about a semi-natural experience with a wave that occurred in Toronto, Canada. Now, those of you who know me well know that when I get prayed for, I rarely have any of these charismatic and renewal-type manifestations. I'm a, in Toronto, they even call it a hard-to-receive, HTRs. <laughs> and, and, the, and they say that the majority of HTRs are pastoral. <laughs> but I think all the pastor wore out of me a long time ago. Um... Anyway, but occasionally the Lord overcomes my natural tendencies. And so I got slammed one morning in Toronto. And I mean, I was just whacked out in the floor. I was flopping around like one of you renewal junkies. (laughs) And I started laughing and I could not control myself. Uh, now, the renewal junkies in here, have you ever laughed so long and so hard that you started getting stomach cramps? Have you ever laughed so long and hard and the stomach cramps got so bad that you couldn't suck air to breathe? And you, I felt like I was going to pass out from lack of oxygen. I I mean, I was laughing so hard, I could not even suck enough air to stay semi-conscious. And I said, oh, mercy, mercy. And it went away. It just went away. And I thought, well, I didn't mean for it to go away. (laughs) Now, that's not what I was asking for, Lord. I, I, I was having a good time. You know, I, I'm, I'm like all these other people here for a change instead of just standing there, you know. And all of a sudden it came back. 
bam, it was worse than the first time. I wound up under the chairs. Sounds like a Rodney Howard Brown meeting testimony or something. I was, and I, I, I got again. I couldn't, I couldn't even breathe. I, <laughs> and so I went through about four or five cycles of this, getting to the point where I thought I was going to uh, pass out from lack of oxygen, from laughing so hard and crying out for mercy, and then it just disappearing. But then it comes back, rushing in. And then the Lord spoke to me. And He said, man can't live in the power of my supernatural manifest presence. You cannot survive. So I come in waves. I come in waves. By my mercy, I come in waves. I come in waves. Get ready for a really, really big wave. The turbulence, listen to me, the turbulence that's going to come with this wave may be so violent and so deep that you will wonder if you're going to be able to get back up to the surface to breathe again. I want it too. We're in this, okay? We're in. We want it. But I know what it's like to feel like the manifest presence of God is actually going to kill you. I've had that happen to me three times in my life. I won't tell those stories today. But to be in the presence of God, in the level that He is coming, will frighten us all. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come. How okay. I've still got 20 minutes. Praise God. A few uh, weeks or a month or so back, Byron mentioned the Jesus movement. And I came to know the Lord during the Jesus movement in 1970. And I saw God do so many things on a daily basis that we were all enthralled with what He was doing. I mean, you could go out and you could... I, 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 I taught my first Bible study in the city of Mooresville in 1970 with Charlie Wallace. And we had known the Lord only a couple, two or three months. And we were invited to come and teach an adult Bible study out here on Lake Norman on the book of Acts and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd only known the Lord about three months. But you know, you could do any old stupid thing when the anointing and the move of the Holy Spirit was gone and people would get saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you could, you could trot some neophyte idiot out there and he would, you know, be riding the wave. He didn't generate the wave. He was just riding on what God was doing. A wave is coming like unto, but not like, 
that which happened in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, when the power of God was just moving and flowing, and we were all just chasing after God, trying to keep up with what He was doing. I want to see another wave. How many want to be part of the next wave? doesn't matter how turbulent it is. It doesn't matter how much you feel like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to survive this or not. I am going for it. I guess there's a little of that redneck in me still. I just, famous last words of a redneck. You ain't seen nothing yet. Watch this. Like breakers on the shore, you're knocking on my door. Like the deepest places in you, calling to the fountains of my soul. From the dirt, you've drawn me out. And you're drawing me out again. I'm coming back from the dead. I'm busting out of my skin. You're everything my heart wants. You're everything my heart wants. My heart runs. My heart runs after you. Lord gave that song to uh, Sally. And this morning he told me that I was supposed to talk about Eric Liddell. Many of you who are old enough might remember a movie called Chariots of Fire. Won some Academy Awards. He was a missionary kid that was born in China. But then when he got of age, he went to boarding schools in England. He was a Scotsman, actually. Went to school in Edinburgh. And uh, he uh, loved to run. He loved to run, and his sister was upset with him for participating in these worldly activities of athletics. And in the movie, there's this famous quote, and I do believe he actually said this. From the best I can investigate, he actually did see this, say this. They call him the Flying Scotsman. He says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. I'm running after you, Lord. I'm running. You know what? This guy, Eric Liddell, was the premier. 100-meter dash runner in all of Europe. He was fast. He had those fast-twitch muscle fibers all over him. And he was the record holder in the 100-meter dash. But as the schedule came out, he realized that that race was going to be run on Sunday. And so he decided that his relationship of honoring God and not 
not participating in athletic events on Sunday was more important to him than a gold medal in the 1924 uh, Paris Olympics. And so he had determined that he was not going to run. And it's said that the Prince of Wales, future King of England, came and uh, tried to change his mind. Then they tried to put pressure on him. And instead of running in the heat, he shows up at a Presbyterian church in Paris, an English-speaking Presbyterian church in Paris. Who would have thought there was such a thing? And he read these verses from Isaiah 40. It says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? I beg you, do not Put your hope in your nation. Put your hope in the Almighty, eternal, merciful God of heaven. After He understood that he was not going to be able to run the 100-meter dash, he began to secretly prepare for a longer run. He began to prepare for the 400-meter run. Have we got any old track and field guys or current track and field guys? There's a lot of difference between a 100-yard dash in a quarter of a mile run. Now, we used to call it because we measured things in yards back when I was a boy. Instead of the 400 meter, it was the 440. Now, that was my race when I was young and slim. I know you can't believe that ever was true, but it was. But I was pretty good at 440. And for some reason, I could not be scheduled to run the 440. And they scheduled me in the county track meet to run the 880, the half mile. And I just happened to be placed in the lane next to the state record holder. And so, you know, it's the same turkey guy that, you know, would go body surfing in the cyclone. He ain't getting away from me. I'm going to keep up with him. He's not going to outrun me. So I lined right up next to him. And, you know, I stayed with the state record holder for the first 440 because that was my run. I could do that. But about the end of the first big turn on the back side of the last lap, he began to pull away from me like I was running backwards. (laughs) 
And I, I was determined I was going to stay with him. And I, I pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed until I hit literally the proverbial wall. I felt like I ran into a wall of ectoplasma. Just couldn't go anymore. Wound up finishing last. My coach was going down the sidelines like this beside me. Run! Run! I looked at him and threw up. It was quite embarrassing at the county track meet. See, I tried to run another man's race. In the coming days, if you know that you're going to have to run a race that's not yours, you need to begin to prepare. This Liddell, he prepared himself. And to everyone's amazement, he finished way ahead of everybody else in a race because he prepared for the race he knew he had to run. There's this scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, 17. It says, But as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk or run. And so I ordain in all the churches. Each and every one of us, each of you seated, seated here today, have a calling. Those that compare themselves with others are not wise and may never do what they could have done. That last phrase is my own addition. Don't compare yourself with anybody else, not even in the coming move of the Holy Spirit. God has fashioned each one of us in the manner and fashion that He has chosen for His own purpose and for His own glory. Not for us. There may be some days that you feel like you've been called to sit out the race. But there will be days when you will be tapped to run. Be prepared to run. Unencumbered with the things of the world. Unrestrained by the things that would weigh you down and tie you to the moorings of the past. Be ready. I am saying in the name of Jesus Christ, be ready. Get ready. Get out of the dirt. Come on, church. Be ready. We all know the times are a-changing. We know that the seasons are not going to continue as they have previously. Every secular prophet out there is saying, hey, the times there are changing. Do you remember what was happening in America that precipitated the Jesus movement? They were burning down buildings in Columbia University. There were protests and violence in the street. Students were being shot in Kent, Ohio. It was a time of convulsion when societal changes that needed to be made were being made. 
And there was resistance to the changes that needed to be made. And there will be resistance and there will be convulsions in this nation again as changes that need to be made will be made for the glory of God. Be prepared to go with the flow. Be prepared to rise above your moorings. Don't stay tied to the things you've been tied to previously. Because when God moves society-wide in a revival, it changes things. It won't be the kind of changes you voted for. But they're coming. One of the runners that was running in that race and was actually the record holder that ran with Liddell in the Parisian Olympics in 1924 was an American guy. And he was expected to win hands down. But he walked over to him when they were lining up in the running blocks. And this guy handed him a note. And on the note, it simply said, Those who honor me, I will honor. And that guy who passed him the note lost the race he had been training his whole life for by a man who chose to honor God. But the guy who passed him the note is still thought well of as well. Because he was not bitter that someone else got to win the race of a lifetime. Do not harbor resentment. Do not harbor envy in your heart. When someone that you currently suspect is not really having much promise in the kingdom of God rises above you because the order will change when the tide comes in the order of things will change this is the cycle of glory glory comes down from heaven and those who are willing and ready and prepared to return glory to God will be raised up. They will rise up above this world. They will rise up to heavenly places. Be prepared for the fall of His glory, for the reign of heaven. The reign of glory is coming down. Be prepared to give glory back to heaven. Be prepared to rise. Be prepared. Don't have anything in your pockets. Don't have anything that will hold you down. Don't have anything in your private life, in your secret life, on your hard drive. Don't have anything in your uh, internet history that you got to delete that will keep you from rising when the tide rises. Be prepared to rise above the things of this earth. Because the glory is coming. 